So I, I guess if we're chiming in, in 2005, I had kids too. I had a kid too. Sorry, Ross. Yeah, I don't know. This is why I got the gray beard to prove it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was apparently a long time ago. I didn't think so, but yeah. Right, right. It's like watching the Olympics. All the athletes, like, I'm closer to their parents' age than their age now, so that's when it gets weird, right? So, uh, gentlemen, thank you um, for serving, practicing that, singing from your heart. It, it's so huge, guys. We're going through the book of First John. And, I mean, depending on your Bible, it's First John's a pretty short letter. I mean, we. We put the divisions in there, you know, the chapters, verses, and stuff. But even in our division, it was the third time in four chapters where, where John had to hammer home how important love was. One, how important to receive God's love was. And then the only appropriate and the only complete way to respond to that was to love other people because God loved you. And he keeps coming back to that. And so you see those songs, and they keep bringing back to that, that reality that you were created to receive love. And if you don't get it, there's tons of poisonous ways you'll pursue it that are are awful for you and in the end leave you feeling really empty. So, you know, now, but doing that, unfortunately, here's the danger, guys. For me to come grab the Bible, to take a section of Scripture, to teach you on that, the best I can do is seriously incomplete. Because I'm trying to explain to you a God that I can't get my arms around. Thank you, God, that you're bigger than that. And, and I'm a man at best. I can get a glimpse, a shadow, a, a a little bit of truth. And so trying to give you the fullness of truth about anything is quite a challenge. And oftentimes, depending on how you enter that, you may, um, you may think, wow, you really missed another aspect of it. Yes, I did miss another aspect of that every week. And I will today again, too. So that's why we have to revisit these things again and again because you know we go at it one direction, and then sometimes we have to back up and hit it another way, right? It's kind of like using a mower for the first time. Sometimes you've got to go back over. There's the, the push, the pull. We've got to get this thing cut, right? So I got a question from somebody they, about last week's sermon, about love and about evil. And so I'm like, okay, Lord. I often get questions or comments, right, which is good and fair. But I said, this is such a pertinent question Next week, I, I discern that I think God wanted me to stop and just talk about this. So it's sort of a continuation. If you will, I'm, I'm backing up and trying to hit this again last week, okay? To cut more of the grass here. And what it's about is, is love and evil. Everyone wants to know about evil, right? It's, it's around us. It's, it's hard to understand, put our arms around God and evil and how they exist at the same time and place. Okay, before I get any further, let's just stop and pray. Ah, oh, Lord. I thank you for your love. 
I thank you for your goodness. I'm just convinced that life with you and the way with you um, should have peace and should have joy. Not because the absence of evil and turmoil, but in spite of that, Lord. And so I pray that you would lead us into all truth. I give you every thought and feeling I would have right now. I give you every note I, would, I have made. And I ask you, Lord, to uh, direct me so that you can speak to the hearts of the men and the women here today. And that that would cut to the heart of that person and, and aid in their transformation to be more like you. I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So here's a question. I kind of rephrased it. Here's the question I got. What are Christians supposed to do about evil? Run from it. Right? Good answer. And then the second question, kind of piggybacking off of that, was, do we just ignore it in the name of love? And here is, here is a big problem, right? Like, we think about love, and we think about all the gentleness and the tenderness and permissiveness and the passiveness that can come from love. And sure, at times it can reveal that, but it's really an incomplete view of love. The point I went to make last week was really about this. What John is trying to tell the early Christians is to understand that the love that God had for us is perfect, right, and complete. However, his complete plan, his perfect plan, was that because of the love that he gave us, we would be safe to love the world around us, right? The world as in the people, not the system. The people around us. And that everyone who God brought to us, that we we could share in practicing this type of love, often failing, right, and having to reset and try again, but that this would be the goal of a Christian's life, that they would love their brother as themselves because they love the Lord their God with all their heart, all their mind, all their strength, right? So when we refuse to love our neighbor, we shortcut the system in which God created. Because both God and Jesus are not walking on this earth physically now. Their presence in this world is their power through the Holy Spirit, right? Which is at work in the people of God, as well as supernaturally there's stuff going on, right? Without a doubt. However, for people, the the physicality, the physical revelation of the Spirit comes through the acts of men and women. The physical manifestation of evil comes from those same men and women, for the most part. And so we have an important and vital role to play in good versus evil in the world around us. Does that that make sense? So then then it leads this question, what are Christians supposed to do about evil? Do we just ignore it in the name of love? Well, let me, let me step back. Let me ask you this question. Did God create evil? What do you think? No? No? Anyone think, yeah? It's, it's a trick question. Okay? Here's why it's a trick question. But it's a valid question to ask. Certain things okay, are, are not things, they're the absence of things. So darkness is the absence of light. Okay? Evil is not doing good. And so really, you could make an argument either way, but I would tell you God did create good, right? His way, righteousness, 
He set a path by which we should all live. And if you fail to do that, that's evil. So in turn, he created evil because he created good. And if you fail to do that, then evil is there. He knew that evil would come. This did not surprise him. When did evil come into the world? What's that? Lucifer? You know, that could be the answer, like the garden. But really, how did Lucifer become evil before he even came to earth? Right? So even in the heavenly realms, guys, you understand, the Bible refers to the fact that there were angels, one of whom was Lucifer, who wanted, didn't want to submit to God's way, to right, and instead chose another way, which is evil. And therein began evil. And with him, many of the angels had fallen and began this epic war. So then once God created man in his own image, right, and And however long that took, okay, we can get really distracted on that. Anyway, come into the garden, evil's present, another idea other than God's idea is present, and it was offered to a man and a woman. And when they went with it, then evil really manifested itself in our world. Okay, you guys with me? There's evil in the world. Now, if we go... Forward in the Bible to Revelation, we'll see when evil ends. And it really ends like this, like, right, Satan, right, the dragon, the Antichrist, everyone who doesn't follow God, thrown into a lake of fire. All the people of God's eyes are opened. And when we're fully open face-to-face with God, we'll no longer do evil, and only then does evil and so, something that you probably heard, see the light goes out sometime and you just don't see what's going on. But even if you look in Revelation, what's interesting is the thousand, rule, thousand year rule of Christ, right? At the end of that, you think that that must be like heaven. But in the end, there's a group of people up for evil trying to march upon the city. Like it doesn't even end then. Okay, so here's what we see evil around us. We see evil portrayed by people, okay? Because we are selfish, scared, and we don't trust God. And ultimately, it's because what the Bible says is that we've been blinded. It uses metaphors like veils over our eyes because I would, I would present to you this is a truth and a reality that if you and I could see the reality and the truth of what's going on like God does, we would never sin. It's the stupid way to act, It's the wrong thing to do. If I steal, then someone else loses. If I sin sexually, I make an object out of the other thing, and I limit my worth to myself. If I sin sexually, I don't trust God to provide for me sexually. If I do drugs to escape reality, I don't trust that God can help me cope. If I drink to do that same reality, if I depend on my physicality for hope, then watch it be taken away, right? Foolishness, 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 foolishness. Our sin is foolishness. So once, once God opens all the eyes of men and women and he's in the presence, it's going to be like, we're going to be made like brand new, right? A new thing is going to happen. You and I are going to see and evil will be gone because it won't make sense anymore. Only God's way will make sense. So right now, we perpetuate evil in, in, in the persons around us, right? Secondly, there's supernatural evil around. There is. 
those, those demons, right, that are at work, the sons of lawlessness that are out and about, right, the Satan has, has been given some, some rule over this earth in this time, and he's going back and forth and, and trying to search, destroy, kill, right? All these things, deceive, lie, deceive the brethren. Tons of scriptures about that. Evil is happening spiritually around us. And really, a lot of the evil you see is the dancing of the people doing evil things and supernatural evil encouraging them to do that. And then the third evil I would present to you is the fact that we have a world that, that is um, dying. If you don't believe me, uh, get older every day. Uh, the reality, and, and if you're there, you get it. You used to be too young, right? You guys feel too young when I grow up, maybe some 20-year-olds. I'm too young, and then one day you wake up, and then it's, you're too old, Okay, what was the right age to be? Did I sleep through it? Yes. Yes, you did. You were too young, and now you're too old. And your body is dying. The kids in the preschool and nursery, their body, even though it's growing, they're, they're dying. And the trees, they're dying, and they hate it. And the mountains they're dying, and they, they hate it, and the, the air and the ozone, it's dying, and they hate it, and the trees, it's so dry, they're catching on fire, and they hate it, and it's evil has overtaken the world. And so this is why a good God that you and I don't get has to kill tons of people, burn the whole world down, and rebuild it. That's when evil ends. So in a way, guys, God, who is in control of everything, did allow for evil to happen. Next question. This is where we get crossed up. Is it the job of the church, the people, to eradicate evil from the earth? Say, no. No. I'll drink a little water to that. See, what you're going to see is the, the pull to try to get you to be something. Um, everyone wants to be an activist, right? Everyone's an activist. doesn't matter what your job is. You're also slash activist for whatever it is that you want. I'm Will, pastor, husband, father. Son of God, bald man activist, right? So yeah, that's what I'm trying to encourage everyone that this is the way to be, right? Everyone's an activist. You want to change the world in a way you can because the world is different because of all the people in it, right? But in the other way, you will not eradicate evil. You're off the hook. You're off the hook. Actually, should be really good. I should feel really good. I should feel like a massage, you know, or something. There is a plan to eradicate the evil from the world, and it, it's it's coming. I don't know when. Let me ask this though. So, if you see the evil around you, what's what's the tendency? You see the evil 
There's two things at play. As you get older, the things younger people do seem stupider, right? I'm convinced the worst part of being 90 would not be necessarily your body dying, but the world being so different than the world that you love that it would drive you crazy every day, right? Right? I think that would be the hardest part about being 90, and if you're 90, you might think that that's true. Um, And so you see that, and when you're 30, you begin to see that. When you're 40, you see it more. 50, I think every decade it goes more. What did you say? What does that mean? Right? Like, yeah, you don't know what, what's important. And now apparently we can't figure out what gender we are. We don't, older people don't get that. We used to take a shower and you were like, I know what gender I am now, whether I like that or not. Right? I'm, I'm making fun of them, okay? But, but yeah, there's foolishness in the world and the older you get. But when you're younger, you think, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to eradicate evil. Uh, Everyone's going to be loving. God would never say no to nothing if that's loving. Loving is never saying no. Uh, No. Okay? Loving is often saying no. So back to love. How can we love, right, and there be evil? Here's what's happening. We've got a wrong definition of love. So let, let, me, let me read this from 1 Corinthians 13. It was probably read at your wedding. And, uh, you know, you probably skipped the parts you didn't want to, to read. But listen to this. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning with verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Okay, we read that, we read it quickly, we, we lose track of it. Maybe I can give it to you in a different way. I don't know if you can see this chart. Let me give this to you in a different way. Okay. On the one column I have, I've listed something from that scripture and a few others, what love is and does. So this will be online. You can look at it later. You can take a picture with your smartphone, look at it later. But love is this. Love is patient. So that makes sense, right? That's that's in the positive. Man, I know. To be loving is to be patient. Then love is kind. It it is that on on the positive, right? It's kind, that that kindness, that gentleness that, that you want. Now, what love isn't, the other column, I've got some here does not envy. It does not boast. Is not arrogant. Does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It is not resentful. And then on the positive, it rejoices with truth. See, that's the part that we miss. To be loving is to say, I love it. I love the truth. Now, there's a problem with that. If you love the truth, you, you aren't supporting, right, and loving lies. And so that's why, on the negative, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing. So love doesn't say, you did an awful thing, great job. But love does rejoice when you did the true thing and right thing, right? Right? So we love a 50th wedding anniversary, right? We hate adultery. We don't celebrate that, right? 
We, we, we love it, man, when, when a, a child prays. We shouldn't celebrate it when the child starts cussing, right, the five-year-old. Like, even, when we, even though it makes us laugh, we shouldn't celebrate that. We, that we can't do both. And so our, vision, our uh, definition of love comes unraveled here. And this is why we think, well, you tell me to be loving, but how can I stand up to evil if I'm loving? Hear me. Standing up to evil is loving. Saying that's wrong is loving. Sometimes. Saying no can be loving. So love also, it bears all things. It believes all things. It, it hopes all things. It endures all things. And maybe, maybe that should be in the negative, the endures all things, because that hurts. There's also what, fear, what uh, love isn't, is there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. That's from 1 John 4. I threw that one in there. And then love covers all offenses, Proverbs 12, 10, or love covers a multitude of sins. If, if I really love you, it's easier for me to forgive your mistakes. And love gives yourself up for another. Ephesians 5, that's in a, in a husband-wife sort of way, husband towards his wife, that you would give yourself up for your wife like Christ gave himself up for the church. And then in, in uh, John 15, that's more like the, this is, this is like Christ, like if you would die for your brother Give up your life for your brother. There's nothing more loving that you could do than that. Now, the reason why I want to put this in a chart is I think I'll use it again sometime. But you could almost look at this and you could say, if love is patient, what, what is love not? Impatient, right? If love is kind, what, what is love not? Like unkind, right? If, if love doesn't envy, then what does it do? What's the opposite of envy? Huh? An opposite of envy. So like if instead of envy, like, oh man, I really want it is what you have. I envy you for that. I'm excited that you got it. What is it? Content, right? Like, awesome. I, I can celebrate with you because there's not envy. You can, you can tell me about the great things in your life, right? And I don't have to one-up it. You hate that, right? Who doesn't hate that when someone's like, well, I did, you know, I ran a mile in four minutes and 38 seconds. Well, hey, great, but I ran in 426, so you know, just shut up, okay? Because I don't even want to talk to you anymore because you want to one-up me, right? Okay, so if love does not boast, then love is what? It's, it's more humble, right? Um, if, if it's not arrogant... That could be humble, too, or, or just kind of more quiet in your demeanor or, or loving or caring. Uh, it does not insist on its own way. What's the opposite of that? What's that? Selfless, yeah. What's that? Meekness is a good word, yeah. Yeah, so, so rejoices in truth. This is true. This is good. Um, I'm not going to rejoice at wrongdoing, but I am going to rejoice at truth. 
It bears all things. So when it gets hard, it doesn't give up, right? It believes all things. This is about faith. This is about hope. It's like you were saying, Rick, telling me, man, you look at it, and that's what Jesus was trying to teach his followers. His apprentices, their whole life together was like, believe me, have faith in me. Like Ross was just saying there. He's trying to share a witness to you to say, man, you've got to know when you're with God, no matter what you're going through, you know, people around you, uh, sick and dying, that feels hopeless, but there's hope in God. Evil in the world, but there's hope in God. You know he's got this. You know he's taking care of it. And when he wants you to do something, you've got to be in touch with him enough that he'll be able to speak to you and lead you. And then if you know if you're afraid, that's not, that's not love, that's not trust, that's not faith. And if love covers a multitude of sins and mistakes, then if we're nitpicky at the people around us, like you always, it's, that's hard not to do that, but that's not loving. And love, if you give yourself for others, love isn't like, well, what have you done for me lately? Why should I serve you? That, that's not loving. Okay. Shows you can't trust. So we think of love in an incomplete way, limiting its power to fulfill its promise of perfecting or completing God's plan to deliver his love to us. So that, that's the point. This is an ongoing thing. And I suspect, you know, however many more years God has me live and preach, I'll just keep harping on love because this, they did it in the scripture. And as I'm teaching you the scripture, it's going to keep coming up and we're going to keep cutting that grass, okay? So here we go again today. Because this is the plan by which God is sharing his love with the world through the testimony, basically through the witness, through the look what God did in my life, men and women that walk the earth. Somehow, and I'm not seeing it play out, but I hope I will see it more and more. Jesus even thought it would be better this way than if he was hanging out with us and teaching us. And I think the reality of what we're experiencing, that's not the case. And I believe one of the main reasons why is because of this. We're failing to walk out the mission that he gave us. And it really comes to the fact that we're unwilling to receive the love he's offering us. So get you back to 1 John. 1 John 4, I'm going to read verse 16 through 19. So we have come to know, and I put this in blue because I think this is, this is kind of the, the key verse from last week that I really want you to meditate on, to think on, to pray on. So we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. It's a conditional statement. For anything else to be true after this, you have to have that part first. If you've come to know and believe that God loves you, the love that he has for us, Then God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us. It's completed, right? Fulfilled, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. We're not worried. We're confident. We know that Christ is coming back for us. We know that he's taking care of things. But as he is also, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. 
we love because he first loved us. I mean, come on. This is, this is like so huge, it's huge, okay? With a Y, like it's huge. If you do not receive God's love, good luck. Good luck. If you don't believe God loves you, you can read the Bible, study it, have an opinion on everything from the creation to the end times to the Holy Spirit. You could pray in a thousand tongues or whatever, but if God doesn't love you, and you don't see that he loves you, I should say, because he does love you, good luck. Matthew 24. I want to give this to you guys. There's some scriptures here. You might have to write these down. So, so Jesus is, is talking, uh, Matthew 24, verse 11 through 14. And many false prophets will arise and lead many people astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, you guys see this happening? The love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the word saved here would be like rescued, preserved, protected. We see that saved word and we automatically think of coming up front and saying a sinner's prayer and getting baptized. That's not what this is saying. That's could be part of the process or whatever, but this is about the rescue that comes from God. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So this is my belief. You look at this, every generation would say this is happening. Every generation would say lawlessness is increasing. It is. It is. It really is. And and when it gets to the point where there's the point of no return and God knows, and only he knows, right, he will come back and end things. But right now, ever since Jesus left, we're technically in the end times, the end of days. We're in that period of time. And you see this, this lawlessness will increase. So let's, let's go backwards on this. Okay, so if lawlessness increases, you become what when you see lawlessness increased? What is it? Unloving, but you get frustrated. It's so annoying. I can't tell you how many people have told me, like, I'm having a hard time. Well, I'm just angry with the world around me. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. Everyone knows, whether you're a Christian or not, something is wrong. Something is wrong. So when you think something is wrong, what's your first question? Next question, then. What is that? How do we fix it? Perfect. I didn't even plan it. Thanks, Hope. Yeah, so what do we do about it? What's the answer? So what ends up happening is as soon as you have a question, how many people are willing to offer you answers? Everyone's going to offer you answers. In our time, the Internet has really helped us in that because you can actually never meet them and still give them money for their answers. This is great. See, I'm going to get off track if I don't be careful. So anyway, you, everyone has... Answers, okay, side note, asterisks, if they want money for their answers, don't listen to them. Okay, back on topic. Um, They want answers, and so tons of false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Now, here's what's tricky. If we go back in John, if we were just reading this letter over and over again, 
in our study of that, what we began to learn is there's these cosmoses, these world systems. And you think because you're in church, it's not a system. It is. There is Christian-based world systems. There's people who love God, and really the whole exercise of their faith is issue-based. Does that make sense? Like, okay, you've got, and I'm not meaning to demean them, but there is world systems. We have like a community pregnancy center. You know what they are they want to do is they want to educate young women about abortion and about options. Okay? Is that evil or wrong? No. Right? In itself, it's not, it's not wrong. They've taken a Christian ideal that life has value, and they're trying to put legs and hands to it. That is the focus of that ministry, right? Okay? Now, now that is a cosmos, is, is a system in which they do things. Good or bad, indifferent. The ridge is a system. We meet at 1030. We do this first, that second. There's coffee there. That was not dictated by God in a system. We did that because before I came here, they did that. We've continued to do that. You like the coffee. Singing first seems to help. Two songs seems too little. 17 songs seems excessive, right? We've just learned. We've created a system. And the minute these cosmos has become more important than the God they serve, we're screwed. Okay? So that's cool that there's these systems in place. But if those take the place of God, it's messed up. So Everywhere there's these false teachers, and if that's too strong for you, people that are distracting you. They're distracting you because they know you're frustrated and you need answers. And because of that, these answers are incomplete. Okay. I, I, in immaturity, I just I launched out about joking about gender right, or whatever. People are lost, man. They don't know. And as much as I could, I was at the library and I, I heard a couple kids who were like 18 and the one was talking to the other. I'm trying to decide what my pronouns are. And I know what that means and I know the answer. Like, but they're not ready to hear it from me, right? I don't know them. And if I said that, what I said to you guys, I would offend them and then... It would throw them away from Jesus, not towards them. And it would throw them away from answers and not, not towards them. But the lawlessness has us frustrated. And when we get frustrated, our love grows cold. And particularly, the older you get, I feel like with the experience that you have in the world changing anyway, you think because the world is changing that it's all wrong. Does that make sense? Kind of like in church, we argue about hymns and praise songs. Well, that hymn, man, that was like really biblical. I'm like, no, that was written by a dude whose wife died. You know, Jeremy Camp, he wrote a song like that because his wife died. Same thing, same thing, just your preference. Well, Southern Gospel, that's the only anointed one. No, that's awesome too. They're all three awesome. It's just our cosmos, which one we do. Get over yourself, right? But just because I'm used to things a certain way, Right? Dudes wear fanny packs now. Dads used to wear fanny packs. Now it's cool and you can wear it across your chest. If you're 50, you probably don't get it. If you're 15, it's pretty sweet, right? So you don't even say sweet if you're 15. That's when you're 40. But 
one is not evil, but our love grows cold. And then the evil and the lawlessness in the world do its job. They keep the people who love God from loving people. Dang, because the lawlessness will be increased, the love will grow cold. And so what you have is you have people shooting abortion doctors, which is not Christian. A friend that was homosexual went to a gay pride parade, put something years ago on Facebook, because these Christians, the things they were saying was not Christian. How come Christians do this to gay people? I responded, that's not Christian. And then she was like, oh, I guess that's right. Their love grew cold. Their love grew cold. And when you do that, no one will ever get the truth. They'll just get hatred for you. And you will never pass God's love. And then we'll have what we have now. This huge division. So, man, what do we do with the evil? These are really tiny. Let me, let me read this to you. Um, I'm going to give you the, the references. Just three scriptures here. John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Guys, we can't forget, this is the words of Jesus. When he was here, he didn't say, I'm coming so that the world will have peace. What do Christians want? World peace. No, you don't. That's not, that's not even on the table. Get over that. World peace. No, it's not going to happen. You're, you're driving yourself crazy. There's no peace for you. What Jesus came to offer was like, listen, in me, you can have peace. Even though the world won't have it, in me, you can have peace. But don't lose hope, right? Because love would be losing hope. It wouldn't endure things. It wouldn't bear all things. It wouldn't be patient. It would lose hope because it's like, there's no peace in the world, so I can't have peace in me. It has to be both, right? No, this is the way it works. You guys want to be a Christian? This is the way it works. There will not be peace in the world. Not now. But there can be peace in you. That even though the world has lost its mind according to your perspective, right? It's always lost its mind since the beginning, and the current flavor is annoying to you. But the offer has always been the same. We are counter-cultural. We are becoming part, we've been transferred into the kingdom of God, which is not a kingdom of this earth, but an eternal kingdom. And so we make the same mistake, guys, when we ask these questions that the disciples did with Jesus. So when's the, when we get in the castle, Jesus? Like, when are we going to overthrow the government? The Romans, clearly evil. Aren't you here to overthrow them? He's like, my kingdom's not of this world. Right? Take heart. I've overcome the world. In Christ, you overcome it. You don't overtake it. You overcome it. You don't overtake it. Galatians 1, 3 through 4. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our Father. So he delivers us from the evil. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. And then I'll skip to the end here. They have the appearance of godliness, but deny its power. Avoid such people. We don't change the evil in the world. We avoid it. We run from it. We don't take part in it because we don't rejoice in wrongdoing. Okay, here's the second part of their question. 
because I'm taking way too long, and you guys will fall asleep if we keep going, or you'll throw stuff at me. They asked, here's an example of the evil in the world. They said, what about, what about uh, Hitler and Nazi Germany? What if the Christians stood up was the question. Could they have stopped it? Fair question. Guess what? They did. They, they did step up. Um, so here's data. This is just what I've gotten off research. I wasn't there. Okay? I don't know. Um, this, is what is, this is what's recorded in history as estimates. This was evil. What happened and, and Nazi Germany was evil. The rough estimate is somewhere between 11 and 13 million people died as a direct, as a direct response to, or as a direct result of the reign of Hitler, right? And then if you even, you trickle that out more, that was one of the, a big cause of World War II, right? And in World War II, 42 million people died. 14 were soldiers and 24. 20, or 14 million were soldiers, 28 million were civilians. In that, within Germany, it was estimated that over 660,000 Catholics were killed and approximately 3 million Christians total in Germany were killed. Yeah, well, Jews, we're talking about, yeah, tons of Jews, right? But even that, I think we look at history, we forget the reality, Okay. So three million Christians couldn't stop it because it wasn't their job to overturn evil. And, you're, and we're wrong if we assume that they did the wrong thing by dying. I don't know every one of their stories, right? So here's, here's the other data that we have. There was, there was Protestant church and Catholic church. And when Nazi Germany came into power, the government tried to get really involved in the church. And it actually became like a a Nazi Christianity, where they believed that it was their job to fix the world. You hear it? Fix the world? And how they were going to fix the world is by purifying it based on race and German ideals. They thought they were doing the work of God, and they joined the Nazis because they thought their job was to change the world. And they thought evil wasn't them. They thought evil was the Christians and the Jews. Because society... And its ideology trumped their theology. Now, but not everyone went with that. Other people still belong to the Protestant churches and the Catholic churches. And actually, a lot of them, could, they, and you guys might have studied this more than me, okay, but this is just brief. So they had something called the Confessing Church, is what it's been known to call. And they said it doesn't matter your background or race, everyone has access to salvation through Christ. And so... Out of, um, out of the 16,500 pastors, clergymen, priests that they supported the confessing church, 7,000, they focused more on defending their church against political corruption than overthrowing the government. One member that you might have heard of is, is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, okay? I know a group of you guys did a study on that. He, he decided to resist. If you follow his life, he like, Left the country, came back, left the country. At first, he was really peaceful. Then he determined that he should take action, became part of a plot to try to assassinate Adolf Hitler. And in that, then he was arrested and ended up being killed. Okay. I don't, I'm not him, because apparently what, 
what happened in those jails was a huge witness to people. They, they wrote about it. It's in books. The guy had a crazy ministry. Did God tell him to come back from the U.S. to Germany? Did he tell him to take a proactive stance against the government? Maybe. I don't know. But I love, I love his, a quote of his from a, a writing called Letters and Papers from Prison. He said, The great masquerade of evil has played havoc with all of our ethical concepts. For evil to appear disguised as light, charity, historical necessity, or social justice is quite bewildering to anyone brought up in our traditional ethical concepts. While for the Christian who bases his life on the Bible, it merely confirms the fundamental wickedness of evil. When I read that, I see like, Ecclesiastes, right? Like, I did all this fight, and in the end, you don't even, it's hard to even see evil from good because evil masquerades as like social justice. Evil masquerades as political need. Evil masquerades as light. It masquerades, and in the end, it leaves a Bible believing Christian to this reality like, wow. Evil is fundamentally wicked. And we can't stop its reign in the world, only its reign in our life. So I've got some more here. When they question Jesus, so they say you're a king, you know, where's your kingdom? In essence, it's like, my kingdom's not of this world. This is right before they killed him. They're trying to figure out, okay, you say you're a king. If you're king of the Jews, they're trying to kill you. And he's like, no, my kingdom's not of this world. If it was, my own people wouldn't turn me over to be killed. My whole reason for being here is to speak truth. Wow. Do you see it? How in the world do you exist in a reality where evil's around you and it's not your job to eradicate it from the earth? You stand for truth. You stand for truth. You speak the truth. You speak the truth. And in that, that's all you can do. So in that, that's where you get Matthew like eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavenly or are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And this is why Paul can write, because he knows he was part of an evil generation too. He would have read those scriptures and say, yep, the end's here. He did. And that's what he said in Romans 13, 1. Let every person be subject to their governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those who exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Right? Okay, let's bring that back home a second. Evil was here before you got here. I don't care how old you make it to, or if you're there in the last days, it won't be you that eradicates it from the world. If we want to be an activist based on the Bible, we can't 
we can't expect that we're going to change the world's policies. It's the world. We can't expect we're going to eradicate evil from the world, but we don't do nothing in a practical way in our country. Like, we can vote, right? Okay? We can, we can vote for people with these ideals, but ultimately their goal is government. You know what stopped Hitler? It wasn't Christians. It was guns and missiles and bombs. That was one thing. You know what it was? The dude lost his mind. He started, I mean, he was, you could say he was always crazy, but even his officials, at the end, he locked himself in a bunker and killed himself, okay? But all his leaders, most of them just kept leaving because he was so, he was losing his mind. He was so erratic, he was losing his mind. And so when I look at that, I'm like, Lord, I can see that you supernaturally intercede. You are the one Lord that gets rid of evil. So in order for evil to be gone, a world system of evil, it took another world system, particularly a lot of Russians, a lot of their bombs, and a lot of Americans, and our bombs, and the Polish, right, marching in there. But here's what's beautiful about marketing. We remember that. But did you know during that same time, statistics show more than 300 million Christians were killed in the USSR? (laughs) See, I love it. I have an MBA in marketing. So I love how we twist it, right? Like the Americans and the Russians were like, Heroes, right? Yeah, like we took down the German rule, who he's killing, what, 11 million? And then the people who helped us kill them at that same time are killing the believers. But history remembers that that was the evil, and this is the good thing. Like, uh, I mean, come on, money and power, it's not about God. These are world's systems. Like, bad governments are taken down by other governments and military, and who is the one who's appointed everyone into those governments and military? It's God. And so you and I rest, we vote, we hope, right, that the world will get better, but we eradicate evil from our lives. We stand for truth. Do we volunteer for social justice causes that we care about? Sure. But when you bring that into that and you try to make that what the church is about, you are wrong. You are participating to those who've gotten cold in their heart, and so they refuse to do the thing that the church is called to, which is testify to the truth, to stay away from evil, to make worshipers of God by sharing and loving with them. I know, it's unpopular. I'm going to preach, Josh, there's like three people left, dude. It's going to be fun. And then I'll know I'm getting somewhere. Because in our time, the Holy Spirit is just showing me, well, this is it, man. People are so frustrated. See, Christians, man, we were made for a time like this, right? Oh, when the world hates us more, we do better. When you're comfortable, you just stay home and be comfortable. Right? When you start getting upset, you're looking for answers. And so someone wants answers, and they're coming to me to try to give them their ideology answers. I don't got that. I got Jesus for you, man. And that way, it doesn't matter if you have cancer and you're dying. It doesn't matter who's the president because God put them there. Don't ask me to sign a petition. Don't put one in the lobby. That's not what this is for. You and I, will, you will hate me when you're done. That's not what this is about. I am to equip and enable the saints to do ministry because God's love needs to come into the world. And when it does, man, the social justice issues will make sense. 
right? These things will, man. And what doesn't get better, let the world systems deal with the evil world systems. And if God's asking you to grab a gun and be part of it, do it. But that's not what this is. God bless America for sure, right? Because the freedoms. But if you think one political party is Christian, one TV station is Christian, it's not. It's just, it's just not. It's, it's marketing, guys. It's, it's marketing. I'm an MBA in marketing. I studied this stuff. Just read some books and you'll know. Follow the money and the power. That's why they do it. And they peddle ideologies. By all means, vote with the people who see things the way that you see those things. Because then those are the laws they'll make. And when you can write to someone, then, then write. If you can talk peaceably with someone, you start trying to assassinate the president, that's when they kill you. Bonhoeffer and them were allowed to help people outside of jail and have church until they tried to kill the president, right? The fear. Then that's when they got thrown in jail. But God is so good even when we do whether it was a mistake or not, right? All those men locked up ministered to one another and so many people were saved and then they died. And so them dying wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing. We will not eradicate evil from the world. And the power of the Holy Spirit will ask the Holy Spirit to eradicate the evil from our lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, for your truth. Just lead us, Lord, into all truth. And I I pray that you would just stir in our hearts, stir at the center of us, that even if we can't eradicate evil from the world, Lord, that this is not a hopeless thing. This is a great hope because what you wrote is true. So, Lord, I just pray that we would focus on you, focus on your goodness and your power. And so every worry, the big ones, the little ones, the middle ones. We'd all just give those to you, that we would walk as men and women who trust God. Men and women who know that you've got a plan to eradicate evil from the world. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your love.